Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. And we are still early in the Exodus story. We are now seeing, though, the, um, some of the initial confrontation between Aaron and Moses and Pharaoh and his people in Egypt. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for your word which you have given to us. God, we pray that you would help us this morning to hear your word. God, that you would help us to be led by your voice, uh, not only this morning, but always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 7, verses 8 through 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned the wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. Turning then to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Jesus and his disciples are moving on along, and they are coming to Jericho. And in verse 46, we pick up that story. It says, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. This man had called out to Jesus. And Jesus asked him what he wanted and he said he wanted to see. And one of the things that we've talked about in our Wednesday night Bible study this last week is how the miracles that Jesus performs tends to, hard pressed to find an exception to this, tend to do something physical that you can see and you know, pay attention to that way, but that also point us to something that's bigger and spiritual. And so, you know, we hear of Jesus healing this one man's eyesight. And yet, we also sing songs like Amazing Grace, where we sing, I once was blind, but now I see. In a sense, that is, I used to not be able to see the glories of God in Jesus Christ, and yet now I can. And so, in a sense, I was blind to all of that, but now I can see all of that. And so, we get how that can be used this way. Well, uh, we've been looking at the book of Revelation, where it's 
a similar kind of thing going on where John has this spiritual insight that helps us to see the things that maybe we couldn't see before. And we've been looking at Revelation, you know, going straight through one through five so far. Last week, we were kind of in the middle of chapter five, and we just kind of stopped. So I said, well, pick this up again. So let me reset what's going on here. This is Revelation chapter 5, the whole thing, and chapters 4 and 5 in Revelation are some of the the biggest, most important things, the heart of all of Revelation. Everything before these two chapters kind of lead up to it, prepare the way for it, and everything after this is sort of flowing out of what we find in chapters 4 and 5. And so it's really important that we kind of have a decent understanding of what is going on here in these chapters. And in fact, uh, some would say that these are kind of the heart of the whole Bible in the way that we get to see and sort of have this experiential aspect to what the rest of the Bible has been talking about with Jesus. I have actually titled this sermon series through the book of Revelation as God's victory in Christ revealed to the church. That's what this whole book is about. This is what this whole sermon series will be about, is God's victory in Christ revealed to the church. And we see this uh, in Revelation chapter 5 really most clearly. We'll see the rest as it unfolds going forward. But in chapter 5, we have this throne room of heaven that's depicted for us. And we see... God himself on the throne. We see all these elders representing all the people of God from all times who are praising and worshiping him. We see living creatures that represent all of living creation who are singing God's praises and worshiping him. And we see angels, the whole thing. It's all, everything is around the throne because God is sitting on the throne. He is the one who is still ruling over all of his creation. And those who have eyes to see, uh, recognize that he is on the throne and that he is the one who is to be praised. And in chapter 5, same kind of thing, a little different twist on it. So in chapter 5, we see the one who's seated on the throne. Well, let's just read it. That's that's why we're here. This is Revelation chapter 5. And it says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy 
to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God peoples from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honor, and glory, and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Now, this... Is the picture that was on the cover of our bulletin last week, and this is what we talked about last week, and I'm just as a review and refresh, is one of the most important things in all of Scripture as this surprise that we see with Jesus. And this is something you see throughout the Gospels where the, the people were expecting there to be some military leader who rides in on a horse and drives out the Romans. And then God himself shows up in the flesh, in the person of of Jesus who rides in on a donkey and is killed by the Romans who gives up his life and we go what just happened here <laughs> the disciples ran away because this can't be right this we thought was the one who was going to come in the power of God and instead he apparently came in humility and weakness And now we're scared and they run away. Maybe Rome has all the power after all. And then Jesus is raised from the dead. And we realize this was not weakness, but this was a power that was stronger than any other power. It was a power that was so strong. It was unrecognized as the power that it was. When Jesus doesn't have his life taken from him, but gives it up. And this is then the image that we see in Revelation. It's the same idea. Is he hears, hey, don't, don't weep. I know that you're looking around over all of creation and it seems like there's nobody who can open up this plan of how God is going to bring about the kingdom of God in all its fullness. Getting rid of all evil once and for all and bringing God in union with his people forever. And you see this and you're like, nobody can do it, but don't weep because there is someone who has done it, who is worthy. And he says, look, it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's what John hears. And so then he looks to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who's coming and his conquering power, but he doesn't see the lion. Instead, he sees the lamb standing as if it had been slain. And so he sees this sacrificed lamb who is yet alive. And we think right back to what John chapter 1, when John the Baptist calls out when seeing Jesus, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we see these references to the day of atonement. We see these references to the Passover lamb being sacrificed. And we see in Jesus the one who has 
actually done what it takes. And so this is where, where we get the response. You might recognize this is the bullet to cover this week. This is the response of the people, but not just the people, but like all of creation who recognizes this sings out the praises. Now, as we get into this, you ever see something, experience something that's just awesome? It's just, you love it. It's great. Maybe for you, it's like a, a play in a play. I was going to say like a play in athletics. Like you're watching a football play and you're like, wow, that was incredible. And you find, you may have had this experience where if you're watching a game and you see a play that is absolutely incredible, somebody tips it and the other guy catches it just as he's falling and he's going out of bounds, but he gets his feet in just before he goes out. And you're like, that is amazing. And you start telling it to the person next to you, whether they care or not. Have you ever had that? <laughs> there's somebody who's also in the room who's like, I don't care about this thing that you're watching. I don't care. And you're like, I have to tell you anyway, because it was just that amazing. You ever had that? Or maybe uh, you really have <laughs> this meal. You go to this restaurant and there's this meal that they make there and you have it and you're like, oh my goodness, this is so good. You've got to try some. You've got to. And they're like, yeah, it's really not my thing. And you're like, I don't care. You have to have it. It's so good. You have that experience? Like where you have something that's so good and you want to share it with somebody, whether they care or not. And you're like, but, but you would care if you knew <laughs> how good this really is. If you really understood how good this is, you would care. And we have these experiences all the time. You see amazing works of art all over the place. This is what's going on in Revelation, is that all of creation is coming to this recognition and understanding of who God is and what he's done and how amazing it is. And they just can't help it. But say to the whole rest of creation, look, <laughs> look at how great God is. Look at what he has done. Look at how he did what nobody else could do. It's amazing. And all of creation, this is how we're supposed to respond. Um, there's a story I've told before. I'll tell it again. It was a conversation my mom had with my aunt years ago. She had, uh, my aunt was like, I don't know, heaven sounds kind of boring. I mean, just sitting around singing praise songs all the time. I don't know if I didn't do that. And my mom was like, well, that, that kind of bothers me because, you know, I, I kind of want to be there. And I kind of want you to be there too. <laughs> and so she thought about it, prayed about it. She came back to her the next day and said, okay, you know when we go on the 4th of July and we watch the fireworks shows, and there are all these fireworks going off, and the crowd is going, ooh, ah, like that every time it happens. She's like, yeah. She's like, well, who makes them do that? Well, nobody. Nobody makes them ooh and ah. Well, then why do they do it? Just kind of can't help it. <laughs> they see something amazing, and they're just like, wow. Oh, wow, did you see that? Wow. It's like this is what heaven is for all of eternity because we continually are seeing how great God is. And so it's not that we are singing God's praises because we have to, because we just can't help it because of how amazing he is and what we are getting to see that before was hidden. And now uh, the more we see, the more we're like, did you see that? <laughs> oh my goodness, you've got to see that. This, this is amazing. And so when we read this, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because you were slain and with your blood. This is why this is a new song, by the way. It's because it's a revealing of this new thing that's happened, that Jesus actually is the one who is worthy. You survey all of creation before Jesus goes to the cross and you go, 
And this looks pretty hopeless. But now he's done something. And so there is this new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Do you hear this? This is big. Like what Jesus did, it's not like, well, this was something that, you know, happened between Jesus and one other person. And so, that, you know, that's cool. He did that. That is good. But this is saying what Jesus did when he went to the cross had significance beyond just me and Jesus. Or us and Jesus. This is cosmic. This is global. This is the whole of the created order. That what Jesus has done is to purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Not just Israel anymore. Not just the United States. There are Christians around the world in places like... You think of places around the world? All of them. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, as the song goes. Um, (laughs) Republic, Dominican, Cuban, Caribbean, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador too, Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina. I can't do them all, but... There are a lot of countries. And Jesus has people everywhere. And he has made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve God. And then he says he looks and he hears the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. 10,000 is like the biggest number you could have back then. And so as John describes what he sees, like 10,000 doesn't cut it. It's like, that's the biggest number we have. That's the biggest thing we can say. And so he's like, uh, what if you multiply infinity times infinity? Like, that's how, what we're talking about here. It's so much. 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. And they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Again, it's all completely centered on who God is and what he has done in Christ. Then heard every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the living creature said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is this vision that John has of this just explosion of praise throughout heaven of who God is and what he has done in Christ for his people. How cool is that? (laughs) It's so cool. This is what he gets to see. There's another part that we kind of skipped over. And this goes back to verse eight, where it talks about, it's taken the scroll. The four living creatures, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and each one had a harp. It's actually Cathara in the Greek, which is the word where we get guitar leave that each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense makes sense then it says that golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of god's people do you hear this jesus is being praised and deservedly so But in this throne room of heaven, one of the things we see is that there is an interconnectedness between Jesus and his people. 
and this interconnectedness between Jesus and his people. Jesus goes to the cross. He lays down his life for us. Jesus is depicted not as the trampling lion, but as the sacrificial lamb who knows the suffering, who knows the suffering of this world, who knows the suffering of his people. And even in heaven, he still bears the marks. I mean, we see in Jesus' resurrected body, how does Thomas recognize him? It's by his scars, right? Like Jesus' perfected, resurrected body, he still bears the scars from his suffering for his people. That Jesus understands the suffering that this world causes. And so there's a connectedness there, yes, but there's also a connectedness in that even in the throne room of heaven, what you have in this temple scene is this, the incense is coming up before God and you say, well, what is, what is that incense that's coming up before God? What is this that is the sweet smell in the presence of God who sits on the throne of the universe? And it says that incense is actually the prayers of God's people. That there is a king on the throne of the universe and the thing that is the sweetest smell to him is the prayers of his people who are calling out to him, the one who rules and the one who understands the suffering. And what we are going to see in the rest of the book of Revelation is not only what Jesus has done on the cross, but how what he has done is going to lead us then into what God is doing now and will do in the future as he puts everything right again. And we'll continue to see this relationship between God and his people. He has made us to be a kingdom and priests. We are to be declaring his praises, but not apart from him, but in connection with him. That as he has given his life for us and continues to lead as the lamb on the throne. He also does so in connection with us as we pray to him, as we call out to him from the midst of the suffering of this world. And even as we continue to sing his praises for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he has promised he will do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.